Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call, and I too am a material girl. Remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over there at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Ooh, have I, have I got some trivia for ye today. And I think, again, this is going to be one you either know it or you don't, but let's see. What musical instrument do you play without touching it with any part of your body? I can tell you that it was invented around 1920 in Europe, and it was patented in America in 1928, and that's all I'm going to say for now. A musical instrument that's played without touching any part of it. I will have the answer to that at the end of the show. You know, when I do the research for any given song, I usually do it in little snippets during the week, and and so the song is never very far from the top of my mind. And like any good earworm, I wind up humming the song all week, which really irritates my coworkers because they don't listen to the show, and so they have no idea why I'm humming thus and such song over and over and over again, only to switch to a different song the following week. And that happened to me this week, but the difference is that I wasn't humming like a virgin, but rather another Madonna song. Go figure. Like a Virgin is the title track and the lead single uh, of Madonna's second album. And around 35 years later, it's kind of tough to describe the impact that it had on the music industry and the pop scene. But I'm here to try. So let's dive in. Madonna Louise Ciccone, that's her full name, released her first album in the summer of 1983, and it was huge. Uh, Probably did a reset of the standards for dance pop music for a long, long time. The album yielded three international top ten hits, and it was certified five-time platinum. So, naturally, the folks at Sire Warner Brothers Records wanted a follow-up. Madonna herself wanted to produce the second album, but the label wasn't quite ready for that. So she got Nile Rodgers to produce it for her. Now, this in my head is especially important because Rodgers also did some work with David Bowie, another artist who is known for reinventing himself with each new album. And in fact, Rodgers had just come off of working on Let's Dance with Bowie. Plus, he'd also worked with the band Chic in the 1970s, which was an act she really liked. So let me move away from Madonna for just a minute. And on to the composers of this song, Like a Virgin, was written by uh, Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Now, Steinberg and Kelly were no strangers to writing pop hits, having written How Do I Make You for Linda Ronstadt and both Precious Time and Fire and Ice for Pat Benatar. Now, although they'd written all of those songs individually, it was around then that they began writing together. Steinberg had recently been through a bad relationship, but he'd also just found a new one that kind of reinvigorated him. That inspired him to write a new song, and when Kelly saw the words, he immediately saw where Steinberg was going. But he committed a misstep at first when he wrote the music for it as a ballad. So the verses sounded okay that way. But Steinberg said in a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly that every time it got to the chorus, it sounded ridiculous. In fact, Steinberg, who still performs some of the old hits that he wrote or co-wrote, now performs that song as a ballad, and he admits that it usually draws some snickers from the crowd. You can find a video on YouTube of him performing the song. I'm not going to play it here because the sound quality isn't that great, but... He clearly takes it with some good humor. Anyway, it took several attempts, but Kelly said that just out of frustration, he started goofing around with a bass line, and the whole thing came together very quickly. Kelly played it up-tempo, and he sang it with a falsetto. 
and it began to take on the shape that we all know it by now. In fact, what you hear right now This is Steinberg and Kelly's demo with Kelly singing falsetto. Now at the time, they were thinking about cutting an album comprised entirely of their own compositions. So they invited Michael Austin from Warner Brothers over to listen to some of their demo songs. They were trying to cultivate a rock and roll image, so they were reluctant to play like a virgin. The problem, Kelly said, was that Austin didn't really view them as performers at all. So while he liked the songs, he wasn't interested in offering them any kind of record deal. So after about an hour, they finally broke out like a virgin, telling him specifically, look, this isn't for us, but maybe you'd like it for somebody else. Austin immediately said it would be great for Madonna, and she was still new enough that they didn't really know who she was. Austin was scheduled to meet with Madonna the next day to talk about her second album, and he brought the demo along. He said that she went crazy for it, and she knew instantly that she could make a great record out of it. Madonna herself told Rolling Stone that when she heard this song and Material Girl, she liked them because they were both ironic and provocative at the same time, but also unlike her. She said, quote, I'm not a, material, a materialistic person, and I certainly wasn't a virgin. And by the way, how can you be like a virgin? Unquote. In short, she thought the wordplay was clever. Niall Rogers, on the other hand, didn't like it much at all. He didn't think that the phrase like a virgin was a great lyrical hook and that the song was kind of bubblegummy. But the song stuck with him after he listened to the demo, and to him that had to mean something. Rogers said that it was four days later that he came back to Madonna and apologized to her, saying it was indeed a catchy song and that they should do it. Now, if you listen back to the Kelly and Steinberg demo, you realize that Madonna followed it very, very closely. Even the little ad-libs that Kelly does toward the fade, when your heart beats and you hold me and so forth, all that's in the demo. Now, Steinberg said they were kind of flattered at how closely it was followed since that doesn't happen very often. Our recording took place at the Power Station Studios in New York City, which is now called Avatar Studios. Uh, Jason Corsario, he was the engineer, he persuaded Rogers to record the song digitally, which was still a new technology at the time. One of the reasons for this is because Cosario was impressed by the way test pressings always sounded consistent. Now, while synthetic drums were gaining in popularity, Rogers insisted on using a live drummer named Tony Thompson, who also worked with Cheek. According to an interview with Rogers in Classic Pop magazine, Madonna kept asking, why didn't they just use a drum machine instead? And he replied, because if you do that, then anybody can sound like you. But if we play it, then only we will sound like that. And it definitely works, with Thompson putting in these little drum fills every now and again, just enough to enhance the record. Madonna's vocals were recorded in a small piano room, the one that Power Station usually referred to as the R&B room. Once that was recorded to everyone's satisfaction, the keyboards were added in, including a bass synthesizer, an electric and an acoustic piano, and a synclavier. Given that that was the sequence, it's also possible that Madonna was using the demo as a guide track, and that's the other reason she was following it so closely. Now, what most people don't realize is that the song debuted several weeks before it was released. Madonna performed the song on the MTV Video Music Awards show in mid-September of 1984, about six weeks before the record dropped. Madonna's stylist, uh, Maripol, recalls she was very worried about Madonna's peekaboo bridal gown look, telling Yahoo Entertainment that she thought it might be career suicide. 
In fact, Maripol thinks that they genuinely took a crack at ruining her that day, trying to intimidate her with the camera, getting in close and getting that shot of her underwear while she's on the floor and so on. And clearly the audience was a little stunned since the applause is, I don't know, polite, maybe. And, you know, when you get beyond the clip that you see on YouTube, there were shots of the audience and there was a little bit of, eh, what is this? But really, in the in the long run, it had the opposite effect. It catapulted Madonna to superstar levels and it definitely cemented her place in the pop music pantheon. Even now, MTV considers it one of the most iconic pop performances ever setting the bar for every performer who ever followed. And I think you could easily draw a line from this performance to Miley Cyrus in 2013. Yes, that performance shocked people too, but you can't deny Miley's got some talent in her. Don't believe me? Go look up her Backyard Sessions. It's on YouTube. I'll still be here when you come back so I can say, see, told you so. Like a Virgin was released to almost universally positive reviews at the end of October, and it became Madonna's first number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 during the week of November 17th, and it stayed there for six weeks. In fact, it was the first of 12 number ones for Madonna. Now, in the UK, it peaked at number three, and it was top 10 in 16 other countries worldwide. It was only number 15 in Sweden. What's up with the Swedes, huh? Now, I can say that there are a lot of notable covers, but this one in particular struck me as pretty good. This is from 2014, and it's by Christina Scuccia. She's a singing nun who released it as her debut single. And in fact, it's a cover that Madonna herself took a liking to. See, it can work as a ballad. And in March of 2019, this version was released by the metal band Motley Crue. And I'll say this, like, you know, except for the heavy guitars, it's actually kind of faithful to the original, except for here, the tempo change at the chorus. This was used in the uh, Netflix film The Dirt, which was based on uh, Motley Crue's autobiography from 2001. Bass player Nikki Six told Billboard magazine that the idea came to his head while he was out walking his dogs. 
And even though he thought it was kind of a horrible idea, he cut a demo and he shared it with Tommy Lee and band producer Bob Rock. And clearly, they liked it enough to do a full recording. Also, Nick said it was kind of weird to hear Vince Neil wailing, I'm like a virgin. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you to identify the musical instrument that you play without touching it with any part of your body. You don't pluck it, you don't blow it, you don't kick or step or strum or strike it with a mallet. I got the feeling you either knew this one or you didn't. The story goes that the Soviet Union was sponsoring research into proximity sensors, and a young scientist working under that program came up with the instrument in 1920. His name was Lev Sergeyevich Terman. He went on a long tour of Europe with this instrument, after which he moved to the United States, and in 1928... He patented his instrument, naming it after himself. Of course, by that time, he identified himself as Leon Theremin, which is where we get the instrument's name, the Theremin. The Theremin lost popularity around World War II, but interest in it came back when Hollywood realized it could use a Theremin to bring on eerie sounds for science fiction movies. You can hear one in the films Spellbound, uh, The Lost Weekend, and in The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is where the music you're hearing now comes from. A theremin basically looks like, it looks like a small box with an antenna sticking straight up and another one sticking out to the side, and basically you play it by waving your hands in between the two antennas. Believe it or not, a theremin was not used for the film Forbidden Planet, although that sounds very theremin-like nor was it used in the original Star Trek series. And that's a full lid on yet another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to be part of a wonderful world. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.